Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good we are still very much playing catch up. Fortunately, um, things will be returning to a normal schedule soon. I probably actually should go ahead and record a vlog, even though it probably won't go out until after everything's done. I'll save the, I'll save the like personal updates for the bonus episode. This one will actually be more normal. I didn't decide to like merge two or three weeks worth of stuff into one episode like I did last time. I actually do have everything separate, but I, it tells me I need to record three episodes today. Woo! All right, let's get right to it. Pwn to own. Who knows what Pwn to own is? Probably not a lot of people, actually, but Pwn to own is almost exactly what it sounds like. It is a hacking event, and if you're able to hack into a device you then own it it's basically one giant white hat hacking event and pwn own hackers managed to get into both windows 11 and teams in just one day That's it. One day. Poof. Dear in. Easy peasy. Just. Just wow. The fact that it was that easy. Usually these sort of competitions. They take days. Days like I want to say, pwn to own normally takes the play takes in the place over a week, but each successful hack this time around was worth anywhere between forty thousand dollars and a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, good, good job, Microsoft. Good job. In case you, in case you ever ever wonder if you should trust Microsoft's ability to keep everything secure the answer is still probably not oh man man oh man oh man oh man now to be fair the primary point of pwn to own is in fact for these vulnerabilities to be discovered so it's not like we should take this and immediately try to just purge completely and utterly all things Microsoft from our lives. It's just expect the Windows patches soon. In the meantime, you should point and laugh. <laughs> uh, continue to point and laugh. All right, a little bit of update on the chip shortage. TSMC warns that there is going to be a 9% price hike in 2023 for raw silicon. There. Now, keep in mind, this is up to, I think I said up to, right? Well, I'm saying it now, up to 9%. They can be anywhere from 9 to 5%. This is still better than the 10 to 20% price hike we got now. But to hear another 5 to 9% next year, that's not 
boating very well for all devices in the world, considering the fact that pretty much everything now needs a chip of some kind. Sigh. Just, just sigh. And then at the same time, Samsung is also reporting raising its chip making prices by 20%. It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? It's not bad enough that the cost of living is going up so, so incredibly fast. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It is going up ridiculously fast. But then on top of, you know, the cost of fuel to power all current cars, well, not all current, but 99 point forever percent of all cars. The fact that diesel is still very high and currently I hate to break it to you. Diesel still is the primary way that everything gets from the point of manufacturing to your doorstep. With the price of diesel, everything else also goes up or down. Never, ever forget that. No matter how much people want to say, oh, electric, electric. Yeah, we don't even have, we barely have electric cars right now, let alone electric semi-trucks. Or how about electric freight boats? Yeah. Yeah. One day. One day. There actually are some good hopes for battery tech down the road, but it's just that, hopes. Nothing solid as of yet. But here's hoping. In other oddball news, though, speaking of chips, Qualcomm announces that um, we're going to have a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. Because apparently the Snapdragon 8 wasn't flagship enough. We need a plus one. Wait, what? I'm so confused. Are we just copying NVIDIA? Is that the joke here? Is it that we're just going to go ahead and copy NVIDIA? 3080 is the flagship, but we also need a 3090 for the lulls. Because, you know, we wanted fire to come out of the back of your computer. Is that what the 8 Plus is? You just want your phone to melt? But yeah, it's basically just a bragging rights phone or chip. Apparently, it's also going to be targeted in some high-end gaming phones as well. Gaming phones. 
the timing of this is going to seem really awkward, but I just finished recording a like nearly 20 minute long rant about everything wrong with mobile gaming right now. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that mobile phones need a gaming processor considering the fact that the gaming market is an absolute cesspool of nothing but exploitation. Yeah. All right, I need, I need to focus my rage somewhere else. Oh, how about Huawei? Canada has banned Huawei equipment from their 5G networks and orders the complete, underline complete removal of Huawei equipment by 2024. Just in case you thought that um, the whole thing about what, and there's a lot of people who believe this, that um, the hate against Huawei was strictly from the previous administration, the Trump administration. That it was just irrational and fueled by, well, now we got other people following suit too. And I've been saying this for a while, you know, based on what everyone's saying about Huawei. Well, I don't agree with, with the previous administration all that often. There definitely was sketchy stuff going on with Huawei and it's still going on. And now we are finally, finally seeing our neighbors to the north going okay yeah something's up we should probably like do something about that so canada is looking to move to 5g with equipment that is not huawei all right we'll keep an eye on how that goes meanwhile Apple and Google's app stores are going to be removing 1.5 million apps for not being updated in two years. All right, I have a question. Why? I'm serious. What is the actual legitimate good reason for this? All the developers haven't updated it in two years. Do they have to? Is there anything wrong with the apps? Do they not function? Are they security vulnerabilities? Do they still work? In the video gaming space, we do everything in our power to try and preserve as much gaming history as we can. MMOs go under like Terra will in, at the time of recording this, in three and a half weeks. It's okay. There's a private server keeping it up and running. It's not the official one. It's not going to get a whole lot of updates, but the legacy lives on. What about that ancient game of civilization? Emulation, you can keep it going again. Any old game you can still play. So why in the mobile space of all things are we deleting things 
just because they haven't been updated in two years. Unless they do not function, that's one thing. If they are a security vulnerability and we're going to delete them because of that, that's, that's fine. The only reason Google and Apple has given us, and I want to stress this, the only reason Google and Apple has given the public is that they have not been updated in two years. So let me get this straight. Let's say I go ahead and make Meme Lords the RPG one. I make an RPG Maker MV. I upload it to both the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store for 99 cents. And it's just simple RPG. Go through, play it, and enjoy the meme-tastic story. This is fictional, by the way. I have not made such a game, but I've contemplated it. And then that's it. And I never update it again. In two years, is it just considered dead? Simply because I haven't gone in and pushed out an update that may in fact affect the save data? Do, can I at least like sign in and check on it to make sure it still works? Like this whole thing is just kind of strange. But welcome to Google and Apple, where they just apparently see a lack of updates as a death sentence. I'm sorry, I still have a problem with this. Unless they give me a better reason, this just comes off as just awful. So Google Messages RCS is being disabled in India because there is a copious amount of spam messages being thrown around. It has gotten so bad that some people have reported that they get messages every five minutes through this new version of messages. Wow. I'm not going to lie. That is, uh, that is impressive. Now, I mean, what do you do? The unfortunate thing is in this case, in, in this case, I don't know a whole lot about Indian law. So I don't know if any legal action can be done. I don't know if anyone can go after Google for this. I don't know if they're using some kind of flaw. It, it just seems to be just a lot of bots just spamming messages to everyone. So what do you do? It is kind of a big giant question mark. But at this time, the system is turned off in India. And it's only in India, too. That's the other bizarre thing. You would have thought that, like, here in the U.S., just advertising to everyone central 
it would be relentless here. I guess not. Maybe it's not as bad here in the U.S. as I always assumed it was. I don't know. This whole thing, I'm, I'm, I'm not even like trying to like set up for like some bigger point. This literally is just a fascinating mystery to me. And it really does make me wonder, huh, why? Well, it just is what it is. All right. Update on Elon Musk versus Twitter. So the last update we had was Elon Musk put the merge on on the, the, or the buy on hold because he found out way later than he should have, by the way, that there's a lot of bots on Twitter, a lot more than those originally found that he originally thought there were. Something up to close to 20% of the user base. Which, that, that's an issue. It does make the, your whole user count thing, it means that it's actually only 80% of what you said it was. Well, based on the agreement and the terms, Twitter may in fact just, and it looks like they will, force Elon Musk to move forward with the merger at the agreed upon price anyway. Now, oh man, excuse me. I'm sorry for that long pause there. I literally just like had a seizing fit. Anyway, the whole problem though with, um, with the way this is going down is that first off, Elon Musk, part of the reason why he got the money was because he used some of his shares for Tesla. And I'm heavily abbreviating this and some of the details I might have are a bit off, but basically because of the way he structured the way he's getting his own funds, This whole deal going through affects the price of Tesla's stock greatly. This hesitation is causing the price of Tesla's stock to go down. Which no one likes. At least who owns Tesla stock. In addition, because of this, well... Twitter is just saying, well, too bad. You should have came up. You should have found out that we had all these bots sooner. You have to go forward with the deal anyway. The other thing that has to also be considered on all this is that I believe the board at this time has approved the deal. The shareholders have not. So at this point, there's kind of a bit of a standstill going on between Twitter and Elon and Elon Musk here appears to be holding the least amount of leverage in all this. But the fact that somewhere between five and 20% of the user base of Twitter are bots is not a good look for Twitter at all. So, 
that's pretty much where they are. Musk says that Twitter must prove the bot, the bot claims for the deal to proceed. Twitter says you must proceed anyway. And the whole thing is just on ice right now. But there is a massive, massive Twitter thread from current Twitter CEO, Parag Agrawal, which I have most likely mispronounced, and I apologize for that, about his statement. All right. I'm going to read it verbatim. Let's talk about spam and let's do do so with the benefit of data, facts, and context. All right. That's, that's the first thing. All right. The thread begins. First, let me state the obvious. Spam harms the experience for real people on Twitter and therefore can harm our business. As such, we are strongly incentivized to detect and remove as much spam as we possibly can every single day. Anyone who suggests otherwise is just wrong. Let me interject. There is a benefit. The point here is not spam. The point here is bots. Users that are run by a machine instead of a, instead of a person. The benefit that Twitter can get from this is in fact inflating their own numbers. To say that to say that quote we are strongly incentivized to detect and remove as much as we ca- as we possibly can every single day and which is otherwise just wrong is on its face also not telling the whole truth. But maybe more is said further on. But to just say this is about spam and unnecessary message on Twitter, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. 95% of all Twitter is stupid, pointless, annoying messages. Whether generated from a human or a robot is, it doesn't matter. Most of Twitter is just idle, rambling, stupid, pointless, annoying messages. Even me going, man, I thought I smelled bacon on, 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 the, on the way into work today. That's a stupid message. Anyway. The thread continues. Next. Spam isn't just binary human slash non-human. The most advanced spam campaigns use a combination of coordinated humans and automation. They also compromise real accounts and then use them to advance their campaign so they are sophisticated and hard to catch. Some final context. Fighting spam is incredibly dynamic. The adversaries, their goals and tactics evolve constantly in order to respond often in response to our work. You can't you can't build a set of rules to detect spam today and hope they will still work tomorrow. They will not. Let me interject. That is true. We saw that we see this quite often on Twitch's side 
as they were trying to take on the hate raids. Everyone just said, just do something, just do something, just do something, just do something. And the thing is that they most likely were doing something. It's just that it's often a game of cat and mouse. Heck, you can see this cat and mouse game if you just go ahead and try to mess with the scammers that call you. My own phone would very frequently, anytime it would detect there was a spoof number, just say spam, or I'm sorry, scam likely. But now lately they've updated the tactics, their way of spoofing numbers, and now it tricks that sensor. There have been plenty of Medicare scams that are saying they're from a legitimate number. If you call the legit number back, you either find that the legitimate number never existed, or my personal favorite, it belonged to a pool company in Austin. Yeah, that was a fun one. The thread continues. We suspend over half a million spam accounts every day, usually before any of you even see them on Twitter. We also lock millions of accounts each week that we suspect may be spam. If they can't pass you in verification cha challenges, CAPTCHA, phone verification, etc. The hard challenge is that many accounts which look fake superficially are actually real people. And some of the spam accounts which are actually the most dangerous and cause the most harm to our users can look legitimate on the surface. Our team updates our systems and rules constantly to remove such spam as possible without inadvertently suspending real people or adding unnecessary friction for real people when they use Twitter. None of us want to solve a CAPTCHA every time we use Twitter. I mean, he has a point here. Oh, I'm sorry, let me interject. He has a point here. It is always a challenge to go ahead and introduce some sort of well, that was a weird sound. There's always some kind of unique challenge when trying to go ahead and introduce a method for weeding out a bot only to then greatly hinder the use of a human and then the bot just finds a way around it anyway oh god I'm trying to think what it was there was a lot of ways we were contemplating like how to detect bots and take care of it automatically on our twitch streams because there is tons of bots that would just be like oh buy followers here and then put in a link and then say just remove the space instead of just going through link detection and in the end, it was just easier to just go, you know what, just click and get rid of them. There's a couple other ways, too. There's actually quite a few I can think of just on the Twitch side where people just, like, put up giant filters to, like, weed out things that are, like, supposedly racist. And then someone just uses a word that, like, looks close and then it's just auto-banned. Auto and that sort of things like it is a giant game of cat and mouse and to try and go ahead and find a method that doesn't impede your actual legitimate users is extremely challenging the thread continues 
Now we know we aren't perfect at catching spam. And this is why after all the spam removal I talked talked about above, we know some, some still slips through. We measure this internally, and every quarter we have estimated that five that less than 5% of reported MDAU for the quarter are spam accounts. What the heck is MDAU? Assuming DAU is daily active users, what's the lowercase m? A typo? Anyway, the thread continues. Our estimates is based on multiple human reviews in replicate of thousands of accounts that are sampled at random consistently over time from accounts that were marked as MDAUs, whatever the heck that means, we do this every quarter, and we have been doing this for many years. Well, I already, I'm, I'm now regretting reading this thread because it's now going on forever. The thread continues. Each human review is based on Twitter rules that define spam and platform manipulation and uses both public and private data, including IP address, phone number, geolocation, client browsing signatures, what the account does when it's active to determine on each, to make a determination on each account. The use of private data is particularly important when avo to avoid misclassifying users who are actually real. First name bunch of numbers with no profile picture and odd tweets might seem like a spam bot to you, but behind the scenes, we often see multiple indicators that it's a real person. Our actual internal estimates for the last four quarters, we're all well under 5% based on the methodology outlined above. The error, the error margins in our estimates give us confidence in our public statements each quarter. Unfortunately, we don't believe that this specific estimation can be performed externally given the critical need to use both public and private information, which we can't share. Externally, it's not even possible to know which accounts are counted as MDAUs on any given day. There are lots of details that are very important underneath this high level description. We share an overview of the estimation process with Elon a week ago, and we look forward to continuing this conversation with him and all of you. That is the, 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 the entire thread then finishes with two Blog links, I am not going to read them because my sanity is already taxed for this segment. Here's my final thoughts on this. Once again, the straight up statement trying to tell me that they are incentivized to detect removal as man as possible. I can come up with again. Inflate your numbers. There's a very good reason to inflate your to inflate your numbers. That's a very good reason to not get rid of some bots and spam accounts. And here's the thing. If you're saying out here that you're willing to go ahead and share all this information with them, then do it. 
what this thread says and what their board is acting are completely are two completely different things. Right now, it looks like Elon saying, hey, why are there so many bots? And Twitter saying, don't worry about it. This deal is moving forward, whether you like it or not. Whereas the CEO is saying, we're willing to share all this information with him. Then do it. You both already mucked up what you should have done. So let's get on with it. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We have some very interesting news regarding Verify ID as well as some interesting takes about Oh, no, that's the, that's the screaming at for us. We have some information regarding the next generation of GPUs. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Verify ID apparently has a big flaw in it. Verify ID, for for those who don't know, is a password protocol that uses facial recognition instead of an actual password. However, it has been found in liveness tests by banks that deep fakes work exceedingly well against Verify ID. Gee, who would have thought? Who would have thought that technology to replace faces as accurately as possible could fool facial recognition? I mean, look, there's only going to be one way to, to change this, and you aren't going to like it. It's going to require using something other than, well, actually, no. I was going to say it requires using depth-sensing cameras, like they use in the iPhone. But you can spoof that, too. Any sort of security system will have some kind of flaw in it. The question is, at what point is it secure enough that it's nearly foolproof? In this case, the answer is no. <laughs> this, is, this is not it yet. So we're just have to wait and see as Verify ID moves forward how they're going to try and fix this all up. Because what's the point of switching off passwords? if what you switch to is even more vulnerable? And that is a very important question. I have no idea what story I was supposed to do next because I just tabbed over to it and it has a 404 error. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> This feels really awkward. I want to say this is actually a really good one, too. 
Oh, it, it, it was it was a four four because it was D, it was a DDoS protection. All right, here we go. This story: Microsoft's imagining systems that do not have a disc reader to be able to get access to physical games. Regardless, that is at least their vision down the road. The plan is to, in fact, use basically a kind of technology we use in the enterprise space, using an external device on the same network as the source for the disk. At least that is what the patents that are being shown here would suggest. This is all just theoretical stuff that was found in a patent so far. But in the enterprise space, if I want to go ahead and say, use on, on my network, fire up 20 virtual machines and rig them all up to be gaming systems, I need some way to get Windows or SteamOS on them. Well, if I don't have the disk already in a in some type of environment where I can just load them up to it like I already do right now, the first step would be to put the disk into another server, whether it be the same one or a different one is irrelevant and then point it point the VM software towards that device. And before someone goes, you can't do that. You can, depending on the brand. Dell has the feature to do it within their iDRAC system. I assume others with more open-ended systems, you can also do it on. I'm just more familiar with the Dell closed iDRAC system and the, uh, what do they call it? Oh God, I am blanking on the environment. They have a specific thing for it called, oh God. I feel really stupid now. Lifecycle controller? No. No, that's that's the system that monitors all the uh all the changes and errors within the system. I now gotta fire up the app. And I feel really dumb now. Bring up this whole thing was a lose, 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 lose situation. Open manage. That's what the that's what the interface is called. Open manage lets you go ahead and do it from one system to another to another, and that's what this patent is suggesting that Xbox could be utilizing down the road. All right, we'll just see on that. I think it'd be interesting. Framework laptops are getting an update. They are being updated to 12th gen Intel CPUs. This is, for the most part, this is pretty much an incremental step. <laughs> it's good to see Framework still getting updates. It's good to see that we're going to be seeing the newer, higher end 12th gen CPUs. These are the ones that use the big little architecture. And I, I for one, am just happy to see Framework pretty much growing like they are they are actually legitimately growing and they actually could be they could be a long-term player 
I was kind of rooting for him, but kind of in the back of my head going, you know, there's a decent chance that, um, you know, I mean, Linus investing in them and all and Lewis Rossman being okay with them is, is all well and good and all. But I mean, let's be honest, there's only a certain amount of the public that's going to listen to those guys, right? But they're hanging in there. Is a good sign. Now, with that said, I still cannot wait for the framework laptop that is a mobile workstation class laptop. I really do want to see it. I want to see the gaming grade framework laptop. Because that was one thing I loved from Alienware back in the day. That was, although a little rough to get in sometimes, a fully modular upgradable laptop. I loved my M18X. I'm sorry, I do. The M17X uh, Gen 1 and 2 when I worked on them were fantastic laptops. I wish that design lasted longer. Or you just go in. Hey, look, CPU is socketed. Easy peasy. Hey, look, both the GPUs socketed. Very easy to get, get in there. Take the whole thing apart. Replace the fans. No problem. The fin stacks are clogged with dust. No, no problem. We can take them out. We can replace them. Want to add more storage? No problem. 17X, we had two, uh, two and a half inch bays. M18X, we had three. And you could raid them. I would love to see that insane kind of over the top modularity and power come from framework. I really would love to see it. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Intel Zest, their upscaling technology is unfortunately delayed. This is the competitor to uh, DLSS from NVIDIA and whatever the heck it is from, from AMD, I am drawing a complete blank and have no chat to save me at the moment from my own mental flubs. So you're dealing with this random randomness. That feature is not going to be available. And quite frankly, of course, it's not going to be available. No one could get their hands on the Intel GPUs these are for anyway. Like they're supposed to be out in laptops, right? So far, they've launched in like three. And all of them are only available outside of. They're like available in Korea and like that's it. So what the heck? <sighs> All I can do is just continue to shake my head. All right. NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4090 Ti Founders Edition graphic card has apparently been pictured and leaked. And you know what? I don't believe them. I seriously don't. You want to know why I don't believe that the picture we're seeing right here is in fact the RTX 4090 Ti? Because it looks exactly the same as the RTX 3090. Exactly the same. The only thing that's different is that the, the color 
of the metal is slightly different. It is silver. Otherwise, it looks exactly the same. So, they've recycled cooler designs before? Yes, they have. But you know what they haven't done before? They haven't opened up by showing their absolute bestest card they possibly could. Why the heck would they reveal the 4090 Ti when they only recently made a 3090 Ti exist? 90 Ti's only happen towards the very end of the life cycle when they're trying to squeeze as much out of that architecture as possible. We're not going to see the 4090 Ti. We're going to see the 4090, the 4080, and the 4070. I'm telling you that right now. That is how this launch is going to go out. This isn't real. But I had to include it. Because everyone's just like, oh, look at that craziness. And all I can do is just look at them with a brow raised and go, what's wrong with you? All right, RTX 40 series GPU is expected to be launching earlier than they thought. We could be seeing this as early, according to some people, as August, according to reports. Now, my memory is kind of shot. Did we actually see... A Lovelace GPU. Like, I actually don't remember if we've seen a uh, discrete high end uh, server grade GPU earlier this year because that's the cycle uh, NVIDIA normally goes by. They show the absolute highest end whatever GPU they're working on for the data center. And then the lowest end versions make their, or that not about their lowest ends, but their lower end version, they trim down that super high end overkill chip into something that's more consumer palatable. Cause everyone's talking about, Oh man, there's talks about this whole thing being 600 Watts. 600 Watts is what's going to be in the, in the data center. Let's be perfectly honest. We never saw the pure Ampere A100 GPU in a consumer product. We did it. We saw the GA102. And that's normal. That is perfectly normal. The other thing is, I thought it was called Hopper. Maybe being off for so long is just like, absolutely, that's what it, okay, okay. That's why I mixed up. Okay. This is interesting. Hopper is the, is the code name for the data center GPU that was revealed earlier this year. 
Hopper was first revealed and is a data center GPU that was shown off in March. Lovelace is what we're going to see on the consumer side of things. This actually kind of reminds me of Volta and Turing. So Volta, for those who don't know, that was going to be a new GPU architecture, but we only saw Volta exist. And Volta was after uh, Pascal. That's the GTX 10 series. Volta was supposed to come out shortly after that. But we didn't see Volta launch on the consumer side. We only saw it for data centers and in quadro form. But there was a Titan V100 that did launch. Or was it just Titan V? It might have just been Titan V now that I think about it. Or was it Quadro V100? And I don't remember, man. But we never saw Volta reach the desktops or gaming rigs. Instead, a, a bit later, we saw Turing. Turing then launched, I want to say actually first to the consumers, then it made it to the data centers and to the quadros. Like it did just the opposite, if I remember right. But Turing also, we got, we got shafted on the price with Turing. And then two years later, we got Ampere. That's a 3000 series. We know that showed a lot of hope, but then a microcosm of chaos happened, which then caused the price of Ampere, which should have been, you know, $700 for the highest end had it become 3000 and thus is the GPU generation we all want to forget so we have two different code names does this mean we'll see a repeat of Volta and Turing I don't know. Here's what I will say, though. If you can wait longer on a GPU upgrade, I would. Because we are now looking at the 3000 series that's only now starting to become available again. And it's an almost two-year-old architecture. It should, underline should, be replaced soon i would imagine close to the holiday season we're going to see something from nvidia whether it will be rtx 3000 super which seems unlikely because otherwise someone would be Blowing the whistle, going, yes, awful. Which we haven't yet. Or we're going to see Lovelace. It is hard to tell at this time. 
That being said, though, there is a new collaboration between NVIDIA and, or I'm sorry, with, and is it NVIDIA and, and no, someone else is in this. Is it Asus again? It is Asus again. Between Asus and Noctua to go ahead and make the Asus GeForce RTX 3080 Noctua edition so that you too can enjoy tan and brown as well as Noctua's top tier fans on a massive GPU. Now, I do want to clarify on something when it comes to GPUs, like I just said. There's a main reason why I said wait. Because if you're a bargain hunter, right after the launch is the best time to buy used GPUs. Now, if you got a brand new build right now, you need to go ahead you and you're and you're like a couple pieces away and one of them's a GPU. I mean, go for it. If you can wait, you should wait. If you can't wait, this would be a solid machine. This would be a solid GPU to get, assuming you can afford it. This is probably going to end up being like a thousand dollar GPU. And with Noctua fans on it, it's going to be nice and cool. No water cooling loop maintenance. And... It's going to be reliable. Now, if you're looking for something that looks good, I mean, unless you really like tan, I wouldn't recommend it. Meanwhile, AMD's FSR, that's what it's called, which is Fidelity Super Resolution 2.0, will even work with Intel integrated GPUs. So AMD's FSR 2.0 is just... Free, it's free real estate. It's free performance. It works on everything. I just... It's just crazy. Just crazy. Now, the kind of performance you're expecting is going to be much. You're only talking, you know, 15, 20, 25%. But still, free performance is free performance. Like, if I could get some free sleeps and some free naps... I would take it, but I don't have the time for that. The cost is my time. So what can you do? What can you do? I think the computer freaked out there a little bit. Hopefully the podcast still sounds perfectly fine. All right. Let's talk about Ryzen 7000. Because there's a report now that the Ryzen 9 7950X, the highest end standard Ryzen CPU, could be a 24-core behemoth. I'm not going to lie. Like, I want a Threadripper chip mostly because... It's a Threadripper chip. <clears throat> like the enthusiast in me just wants Threadripper for the sake of saying I have Threadripper. And because it would look amazing in a showcase PC. But from a practicality standpoint, 24 cores with 170 watt TDP, it is hard to like justify anything higher than that. Even from an, even from an extreme performance point of view. 
it is very difficult to say, I need a little bit more than that. Unless you're doing like something crazy, you don't. You just don't. Unless you like scientific research or CAD or something like that. This is literally all you need. Before AMD was making dual CPU workstations obsolete, now they're making the high-performance computing platform obsolete. They are making the Threadripper platform obsolete. In other news, though, a 5.2 gigahertz AMD Zen 4 test CPU went and popped up in an online database and then someone went oopsie daisy and it vanished. I mean, I feel like a foolish fool for constantly saying they're coming, but man, they're coming. This is going to be some, I'm really excited looking forward to this sort of stuff. And normally I'm one that just goes ahead and tries to make old tech last as long as possible. I wish I had the spare funds to go ahead and get something this high end and build something this high end. But alas, not yet. I'll, I'll try not to be jealous of everyone else. Acer's making a gaming laptop that has glasses-free 3D powered by the NVIDIA RTX 3080. I want to see this. I want to see what this glasses-free 3D... I thought we killed 3D as a gimmick. I thought I thought it gone. I thought it dead. Nintendo tried it. It didn't work out too well. Well, it. I mean, it did, but no one used it. It is actually kind of stunning. Go grab your 3DS. If you still have one laying around. Put in any game that was made late in the 3DS cycle. You know what you're going to find? There is no 3D in the game, like at all. It is actually kind of funny. It is very, very comical. But you know, Acer, I mean, you, you do you. You and I disagree heavily on what you consider acceptable quality in your laptops, but you're just going to keep on doing what you keep on doing. I should be taking a break here, but I only have a few stories left in this. So this actually be the first episode in a while that's sub two hours. It's amazing what happens when you don't have chat asking questions constantly. Which actually makes me kind of nervous because also chat has, whenever I've flubbed, been very quick to catch me on that. So it makes me wonder how many times I've flubbed. It also doesn't help at all that a lot of these stories are just kind of, oh, neat. That pretty much sums up this particular week. There's a whole lot of, huh, neat. Speaking of, huh, neat, uh, we have PC and laptop displays that are working towards 480 hertz. Huh, neat. Anyway... The new HP Spectre X360 16 will be ditching NVIDIA as its discrete GPU and instead using Intel Arc. <gasps> it's going to be using 
the Intel Iris Z GPU as its discrete lap GPU. I mean, who's surprised? Laptops like the HP Spectre are what the Intel Arc is intended for. These sort of premium thin-in lights, they just want a little bit more GPU horsepower than what a standard integrated GPU is going to get you. That's what the HP Spectre does. That's what the Dell... What is it? The XPS does. That's what the MacBook Pro tries to do. Even though the MacBook Pro tries to compete with the Precisions, even though it doesn't come close performance-wise, and it still doesn't fight me on that. Oh, wait, you can't because I have facts and benchmarks and not bull. I'm sorry, the Intel, the freaking Apple graphs and their absolute BS they fed their fanboys and how many of the fanboys actually believe it. Despite the fact their graphs with literally no unit of measurement on any side other than uh, we feel like it. Oh yeah, and then the graphs are wrong on top of that. Apple's just going to drive me nuts forever, especially with the movements they've been doing for uh, for their own silicon. Because it's good stuff. It is a very, very good product. It just isn't good at what Apple's trying to pitch it as. It is not a performance monster. It is a very good performer. But what it hands down by far exceeds that is performance per watt. I don't understand why they don't compare it to, hey, we can get you best performance in a laptop and still get 16 hours of battery life. Why wouldn't you just pitch that? But now we got to talk about how, how the freaking Mac Studio can supposedly outperform the RTX 3090 Ti, even though it absolutely cannot. If I feed all the power in the world into both of them, one of them is going to run away. They are not in the same weight class, but freaking Apple just wants to keep doing it. I'm sorry. I'm, I went off on Apple. It doesn't help at all. WWDC is coming up soon in a couple of weeks, in fact, or actually probably in a couple of days, considering how late these episodes have been. In any case, yeah, no surprise. The new HP Spectre, their thin and light performance laptop, their luxury thin and light is going to use Intel Arc instead of some low-end NVIDIA chip. No surprise there. And for one, I can't wait to see the benchmarks because I want to see how well these Intel GPUs perform outside of an Intel lab. The Pebble founder, Eric... Migikovsky, who I have most likely mispronounced the name of, is talking about trying to make a small Android phone happen. He has launched a site called smallandroidphone.com that is trying to go ahead and crowdsource fund a small flagship phone. The goal here is create a phone that is roughly... Uh, I'm assuming somewhere in the iPhone mini territory. 
hoping to go ahead and make a 5.4-ish 1080p OLED screen. Cameras being as good as the Pixel 5. Must have good low light performance, stock Android OS, Snapdragon 8 or 8 Plus. Now that that phone, now that is 5G world phone, hole punch front camera, two rear cameras, eight gigabytes of RAM, 128 or 256 gigs of storage. I would also argue, please give me an internal SD card slot, but I got a feeling we're not going to get that. An unlockable bootloader and NFC. He's also looking at trying to get a rug enough phone that it won't need a case, an IP, IP68 water resistance, fingerprint sensor on the power button, hardware mute switch, wireless charging, eSIM. That is a lot to ask for. I wish you the best of luck because personally, I would like to see some smaller phones for those who don't have massive hands like me. Meanwhile, over at Uber, Uber is going to let you book a party bus and electric vehicles, and more in their new update. All right. I want to know how Uber's going to get electric vehicles in the hands of some people, because are they just going to launch a program that says, hey, you can go ahead and earn more with Uber if you have an electric vehicle? Which, by the way, God, I'd hope so. I would say, though, if... The Model X was cheaper. That would be the ultimate Uber vehicle. Pull up. Remotely open the door. Easy to put a barricade between you and the and whoever you're going to ride to. Drive up. Open up. You'd look slick doing it. It'd be amazing. The only problem is that it's a freaking $3 million car or something crazy like that. What is it actually at nowadays? Is it, is it still a 100K car? Has it actually gone lower? I imagine it's gone higher with all the shortages. What's Tesla.com say? I think Tesla.com is just going to tell me the, that the semi's coming for realsies. For realsies. All right. Model X plaid. No. Did they? No. <laughs> they ruined the X2. Oh, they gave it the stupid yoke and the lack of stocks. Oh, oh, oh. All right. Well, this this car is dead to me now. When did they do that? Nobody talked about how this got the X treat or the. All right, wait. All right, so the Model X normal is 106K. Model X Plaid's 130K. Here's my question. If you get the cheaper version, do you still get the crappy interior? It looks like you do. That is an absolute shame. I don't know why they don't get I don't get why Tesla is not getting more flack for making an un, un, for making a hundred thousand dollar unusable car. Like I don't understand that. Yeah, so the Model Three and Model Y are now the superior options, but they don't have like the motorized doors. So everything I just said doesn't apply to it anymore. All right, never mind. Um, honestly, like 
real talk though, electric vehicles, it might be just because I've driven a lot of uh, commercial Ford vehicles. But for me, it would either be a Mach-E or a Lightning. I really do want to get a Ford Lightning, the, the F-150 Lightning. Either just entry level or like the next tier up. One of those two. It just checks so many boxes. So much storage capability. Distance is, is very nice. Great visibility. Big enough for a big guy like me. It's just... Mm. Nothing to the Tesla fanboys, but I mean... Your Model S and Model Xs are now, like, actually undrivable vehicles unless you have gone ahead and trained your brain to like dysfunction. They just are! The freaking yoke, no stocks, capacitive non-textile buttons to go ahead and activate things like your turn signal, your wipers, and your horn, that is not safe. That is unusable until you have trained your brain to the dysfunction that is this terrible design. And until then, how much danger are you going to be in? It's okay because it's self-driving. When? It's not now, so why make the changes now? Oh, but it's coming soon. It's been coming soon for years. It is very difficult to go ahead and and defend Tesla in all this. It really, really is. The Model Y starts at 55K. Wow. Man. This is hard to defend. I'm not going to lie. The Model 3 starts at... Oh, no, never mind. It starts at 40K. Okay, that's better. All-wheel drive starts at 49K. Actually curious. Is the Ford Mach-E all-wheel drive? I know the Lightning is all-wheel drive. Like all models are. Excuse me. I'm now getting heavily distracted while we're talking about Uber trying to come up with a hub for party buses and electric vehicles. I mean, party buses, I mean, you've got to go ahead and like be like, I assume you have to bring your own vehicle for the party bus, right? So you'd have to be a company with a CDL. I believe, I believe you can get away with a class C CDL on a party bus, but don't quote me on that. It also probably depends on the party bus. Maki starts at 4,300. I'm not surprised by that. I th don't know if it's, well, I can't order any of it anyway. All of it, not available for order, not available for order, not available for order. Just that backlogged. No more order. Unfortunately, the Mach-E 
doesn't have the build-out system like uh, like every other Ford vehicle does on their site. That's a shame. I'm like trying to skim through to see if the Mach-E is all-wheel drive or not. And I'm still not finding it. This is taking too long. I just need to move on. But yeah, there'll be an electric vehicle hub for drivers. No word on whether... On whether you get paid more for having an electric vehicle or not. You'd have to, right? I can't imagine they'd go otherwise. Amazon has a new stunt for its new Prime Video sci-fi show that's going to outer space. You know what it's going to be? They're going to broadcast it into outer space. Apparently the show, which is called... Uh, what is it? Night's Sky is being beamed out of the Earth's atmosphere. All right, well, if the aliens come and threaten to exterminate us all, we can blame Amazon. And remember, we need to place living correctly. It's not Jeff Bezos. He's not there anymore. It's whatever schmuck they put in his place, which I legitimately cannot remember. Ooh, well. I just, I just can't even. All right. And you know what? I'm just going to, you know, I, I will talk about this one story real quick. I thought I was going to have a lot to talk about, but it, I really don't. All right. We have an image of the black hole at the heart of the Milky Way galaxy. And you know what it looks like? It looks like an orange donut. Look, the discovery's cool and all, all right? They actually go ahead and say we have photographic images of the black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. That is all incredibly cool. Thumbs up, A+. That's incredible. The thing, the picture looks like I smeared Vaseline on a heating coil for an electric stove. It is not a very uh, impressive picture, but again, I get it. It's still hard. The fact we got it is still incredibly impressive, despite the fact the end result is um, very not impressive at all. It is the curse. You know what else is a curse? The last bird, the last story of the day, the weird story of the week. Algae-powered computing. Algae powered computing using a renewable biolytical photovoltaic cell. Researchers have used a widespread species of blue green algae to power a microprocessor continuously for a year and counting using nothing but ambient light and water. 
Their system has the potential as a reliable and renewable way to power small devices. It is an incredible discovery. Don't misunderstand the jokes I'm about to make because last time when I started cracking jokes, uh, people started taking it very literally that I didn't get it about how these drones have no purpose. No, no, they, they, the auto, automated drones to chase down people is very good in certain rescue operations. But it's hard to ignore the fact that just the sound of it sounds very Terminator-esque. Kind of like how this has the potential of escaping and becoming a self-sustaining, growing, bio-artificial computing life form that shall consume all life and end up just being a giant green slimy shogun from system shock Two. it's happening all life shall be exterminated for we are not algae or something of that nature it's still really cool but at the same time what happens when um when the device cracks and this algae gets out Will it, like, grow on the walls? It's curious. Hmm. It's something that definitely down the road we'll have to wait and see what the... What it can all be used for. Because right now this is kind of a proof of concept sort of stage. But... At the same time... Algae-powered computing. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. I do apologize for the episodes not being consistent. Life is still being super chaotic. Things are, things are definitely calming down. I should have more information for you in the next episode, whenever that happens to be. Take care, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>